Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Scopophilia. We are the millennial movie movement, and I, of course, am your host, as always, Becky Teller. I honestly cannot believe that we are already on episode nine of season three out of 13. Um, Kind of insane, first and foremost. Uh, These last couple months have really just like flown by. Like it, it, it was... October uh, for a minute and now it's like halfway through November and I don't really know how to handle the fact that like Thanksgiving is next week. Um, It's a lot. It's a lot to handle. Um, So what what did I do to cope with that, you ask? Um, I watched a movie (laughs) for sure. Uh, And this week's episode in particular um, is so close to my heart, especially because of the content that we are talking about, which is Romeo plus Juliet, Romeo and Juliet, however you want to say, the Baz Luhrmann 1996 iconic piece of cinema, which uses literal, like the literal words from the actual play Romeo and Juliet as Shakespeare intended it, um, which warms my heart as a theater kid and a theater major. And I'm looking at my extensively large uh, collection of Shakespeare plays as I am saying this. Um, And not only that, but I'm also discussing this amazing film with Jamie Ann Romero, who is also a huge Shakespeare nerd just like me. So we had an unbelievable time together. And I'll be honest, it it has definitely been a while since I've flexed my Shakespeare muscles. Um, so it was nice to do that in in this setting and also to talk to somebody who is also so into Shakespeare and the works and and also into like the indie Shakespeare plays, which I did not see coming. Usually uh, when you talk to people about Shakespeare, it's, you know, the usual contenders of Romeo and Juliet, Midsummer Night's Dream, you know, those and and she she knows her stuff. I'll give her that. And so I will stop talking so that you can just listen. And if you haven't seen this film, first and foremost, what are you doing? Stop right now. Go watch it. It's phenomenal. It's beautiful. It's it's textured. It's stunning. Cannot say enough about this film. And with that being said, uh, you will notice throughout this episode that I have not included clips from the movie. And this is for a couple different reasons. Reason number one being the texture that you get in addition to the words in this film is kind of lost on just the audio. At least for me, I was trying to kind of weave them in like I normally do here on the show, and it just wasn't quite working for me because I can picture the scene, but it wasn't giving me that same magic. Uh, so that's that's one of the reasons. And the other reason is that there is a lot going on in this movie between, you know, gun firing or music or anything like that. It was a little hard to hear um, the dialogue when I inserted it just as audio. So I am sorry about that. They will come back next week, I promise. So, without further ado, my interview with Jamie Ann Romero about her favorite film, Romeo plus Juliet. Enjoy! Scopophilia is the newest thing to hit the market. Defined as deriving aesthetic pleasure from looking at something, it's the new craze sweeping the nation. Taken in large doses, 
Side effects can include an addictive nature to have more film content. If this increase occurs, consult no one and keep listening. Hey there, Scopophiliacs, and welcome back to another episode of Scopophilia, the podcast. And I'm so excited today because we have Jamie Ann Romero on the show with us. And first and foremost, hi, how are you? How are you doing? Hi, I'm great. It's a a lovely fall day in New York, and I couldn't be happier. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm also appreciating the crisp uh, weather of the East Coast that we are having right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for people who aren't necessarily maybe familiar with your name, you know, tell us, what do you do? What's, you know, what's the deal? What's the vibe? All of those things. Great. Um, well, um, I am an actor, um, and I've done, you know, some films, some TV, but mostly theater and mostly Shakespeare theater, um, which is apropos for the film we're talking about today. Yes. And so you have chosen 1996, had to double check, 1996, <laughs> Baz Luhrmann, Romeo plus Juliet, Romeo and Juliet, however you want to say it. Mm-hmm. And so first things first, of course, you're an actress. So in my mind, all, all actors need to be familiar with Shakespeare and his work. Um, sure. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, specifically, what was it about this film that you were like, yes, this is the one that I want to come on and talk about? Wow. Well, partially, um, I follow Baz Luhrmann on Instagram, and he has been posting um, little snippets about Romeo plus Juliet, Romeo and Juliet, um, because their 25th anniversary just passed. It was um, oh. Yesterday, October twenty seventh. I know. Oh, can you wow. believe it? Twenty five yeah. years. <laughs> um, and so it's been on my mind. Um, also, Romeo and Juliet is one of my most favorite plays. Um, it's where I met my fiance. He and I both oh, played Romeo and Juliet. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, he and I played Romeo and Juliet back in two thousand and eleven. Um, and yeah, the rest is history. Um, but I just love this film. I, uh, it was my first introduction to Baz Luhrmann as a director. And I was like, oh, wow, um, this is different. This is exciting. Um, and even though I, I loved Shakespeare, I also felt that it was very accessible and how wonderful to make Shakespeare accessible to everybody. Absolutely. Well, I cannot agree more in terms of making Shakespeare accessible because I think there is a stigma around his work of like, oh, like I have to study in order to, to understand and to know what it's about. And it's like, no, you just need, need the right venue. I think, (laughs) I think that's the big one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, um, you know, Shakespeare's stories are so ingrained in our society. So we, we know them, even though we think we don't. Mm. Um, and you know, people get, uh, uh, pushed off by like the language, like it's too, too hoity-toity. But if you just sit back and listen, I guarantee you, you'll understand it. <laughs> right, exactly. And I think that's so true. And as somebody who I love, 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 love Shakespeare with all of my heart, um, I, I have an English minor. So like 
he's my man. And um, yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I think people just need to take the time, I think. Mm-hmm. And this is such a great opportunity to do that. Like my fiance was, he was, um, he kept calling this the bad the bad version. And I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean bad? This is a fantastic <laughs> film. You are out of your mind. But I think he's just thrown off by the fact that it's not like historically accurate or something. And I'm like, nah. Sure, sure. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> he's wrong, but it's fine. Um, oh, I've seen Shakespeare in a number of places. I've seen it in space. <laughs> I've right. seen it in the Wild West. Right. So like Venice Beach, like California feel like, yeah, I'm behind that. I can get behind that. Yeah. (laughs) And additionally, I want to throw it out there for the listeners. You showed up to this interview in a t-shirt with Leonardo DiCaprio from Romeo and Juliet, which is just, it's just (laughs) so wonderful. And it's him in like a brightly colored floral Hawaiian shirt, smoking a cigarette and just, <laughs> just absolutely perfect. I, I'm glad you appreciate it. <laughs> absolutely. So let me ask you a, a slightly difficult question. Great. Which is, do you have a favorite part in this movie? Oh, that's nearly impossible. I know, um, I know. <laughs> there are just so many beautiful shots in this film and beautifully acted moments and beautifully directed moments. Oh, um, I might regret this tomorrow, but (laughs) I I think one of the images that is so iconic and burned into my brain is the, um, uh, the church scene when, uh, at the very end of the film, spoiler Mm -hmm. alert, when they're dead. Um, (laughs) and, uh, it's just, it's, flowers and candles and like the reason why I think it's burned into my brain is because there's also neon and it's just this like luscious gorgeous shot that just kind of attacks all your senses and like even though you can't smell the flowers like you just feel like you're there um and it just heightened the the depth and the drama of that final scene too it's just so beautiful and so beautifully lit like absolutely Yes, 100% chef's kiss. And you're so right. There's like, because not only is it that it's the church at night, Mm -hmm. there's like hundreds of candles, hundreds of flowers. And then we're also throwing up neon blue crosses, which for some reason, just like, it fits the aesthetic of the film, of course. Oh, yeah. But also like does something interesting with like the different colors that are going Oh. It's just beautiful. It's just and it's, it's scattered throughout beautiful. the entire film. Like the, yes. um, you know, it's it's the the juxtaposition of harsh harshness and beauty, and I think mm. that's part of the the theme of the play and the film, um, and like natural beauty and art- artificial beauty. It's just it's there's so many layers. Absolutely, and I don't know if I'm articulate enough to speak on it, but <laughs> I know I love it. <laughs> well, and that's all we need to know is we know that we like it. And yeah. and you're absolutely right. There are so many incredible moments cinematically in this film. And I know the one that always sticks out for me is the fish tank at the party. <gasps> oh my gosh. So I know. <laughs> in preparation for this, um, 
I was, uh, I was reading like some trivia and just, and, mm-hmm. you know, familiarizing myself with the scene and that, that meat, that meat cute is just yeah. so beautiful to do it through water and the fish tank and the cinematographer, um, Donald McAlpine, he, apparently this was a really rough shot for him because any way that they would light it, the lights would get in the the shot and like the double reflections of the two of them. Um, and I guess the way that they ultimately got the shot is they put fluorescent lights in, uh, fluorescent tubes inside the actual tank. Yes. <laughs> and that's what's <laughs> providing the lighting for them. And uh, such a beautiful, beautiful scene. I know. Well, and what what a creative way to think about even doing that, to think about mm-hmm. even accomplishing that. Mm-hmm. Just because not only are we getting the shot of them looking back and forth, we're getting cut shots of them. We're also getting this like strange, trippy, it almost looks like there's just one pane of glass separating yeah. them from each other. Oh, it just gives mm-hmm. me chills every time I watch it. It's, it's so good. It's great. And also you know, there's a, a recurring theme of water too yeah. in this film too. Like the first time we see Juliet, her head is in, in water and we're getting that shot of her, her hair is swirling around and she just looks very angelic. And then they meet through the water of the fish tank. And then the whole balcony scene, quote unquote, is done in a pool of water. Yeah. And it's, um, it's a, it's a beautiful addition. I think, you know, like it's, um, for me, it, it, it invokes imagery of like, when you are in love, you are saturated in love. Mm, and, yes. you know, so putting water to it, I think is a great touch. Absolutely. Well, and, and then in addition to like the, the like loving scenes or like the meet cute or things like that, mm-hmm. there's also like when Romeo kills Tybalt, it's mm-hmm. pouring down rain. Oh, yeah. When Mercutio dies, it's on the beach right by the ocean. And then immediately a hurricane happens. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you're right. Water is always like prevalent at some point in the film, which is something Mm -hmm. that I did not catch watching (laughs) it this time. But you are 100% right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And did you know that that hurricane was an actual hurricane? Yes. (laughs) Unbelievable. (laughs) And I was watching it this time being like, wow, like what a what a great creative, you know, thought that, you know, he puts a curse on their houses and then like, you know, all these dark clouds come and it's like, nope, not a choice. Real mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> really actually happened. Really actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Well, I was going to ask you as like, have you, I'm going to assume yes, but have you read many a Shakespeare play or seen many a Shakespeare play? Yes. Um, I have read them all. <laughs> Lovely. Um, and I have done, I think nine, 19 of them, like oh, I've wow. acted in 19 of them and I've seen, I think 22 of them. Oh, wow. So there's still some of like the more obscure ones that I haven't seen or been in. Right. <laughs> um, but I, that's my goal by the, by the end of my life to have completed my canon. <laughs> there you go. Well, and so, you know, for somebody who is very well-versed, I'd say, (laughs) pun intended, (laughs) well-versed, in Shakespeare, uh, would you say this is an accurate, this is a well-done adaptation of this? I think it's a beautiful, beautifully well-done adaptation of this. And I think for the most part, the language is is intact. Mm. Um, uh, 
I, when they were writing the screenplay, um, I've seen some earlier drafts of the screenplay and there was more of the play in there. But, you know, with film, we don't talk as much on film as we do in a theater. So they had to cut it down to the most important bits. And I think they did a spectacular job. I, I really do. Um, you know, in the original play, once Romeo and Juliet are, are dead, there's a whole nother scene afterwards where the Montagues and the Capulets reconcile and and there's the, the friar admits to everything that he's done. Um, but uh, I have a, a, a dear friend that I worked with. Um, her name is Lynn Collins. And she says, uh, from King Kong, uh, monkey dead, movie over. <laughs> Have you heard that? <laughs> and so she says, uh, you know, Romeo, Romeo and Juliet dead, play over. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think, you know, it kind, of, it kind of works with um, with Baz Luhrmann's adaptation. Like, you know, we've fallen in love with these two and with their death comes the end of the film. And I think it's perfect. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I think I am agreeing with you in all of those aspects and, because really the only thing it's it's been a while I'll admit since I've like actually read Romeo and mm-hmm. Juliet um but really the only thing I could think that was like slightly different is I think he finishes his dialogue at the end and then she picks up the rest of hers but they kind of mingled it which gave it like a very sweet last moments feel mm-hmm. to it and mm-hmm. and you're right cuz I I didn't notice any of like the key things missing Mm-hmm. And even the things that I wouldn't think are key things, like the opening monologue, which is said like three different times yeah. in the course of like five minutes mm-hmm. are in there and like make it very clear, like this is where we're starting and this is where we're going. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, I agree. I think it's very, very well done. Yeah. And um, I, again, just sorry to keep referencing that I've been, you know, researching about it, but I was listening to, um, commentary that Baz Luhrmann did about the opening uh, monologue and how they had it as a newscast. And I think that's so, that's such a genius way to start the film. And then he said they chose to have it repeated so that the audience really understood what they were about to see. Mm. Um, and, you know, they, they were able to understand who is who and what is what and what is happening. And right. again, I think that goes hand in hand with making Shakespeare accessible. I mean, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. And also they say the two hours traffic of our stage and the film is exactly two hours. Hours, yes. (laughs) I think that's such a great, it really shows you how clever Baz Luhrmann is in terms of, and I don't know if he like planned every single detail of that out, Mm -hmm. but like the fact that the film is exactly two hours, just like the text and the fact that like all of the billboards are also referenced (gasps) to other plays is just so clever. It's mm-hmm. so unbelievably clever. And yeah. like, I wouldn't think to do that mm-hmm. <laughs> or to pay attention yeah. for that, you know? Right. And it is like those little Easter eggs for, for us Shakespeare nerds or, you know, <laughs> English major nerds. Yes. <laughs> um, that we see those and we're like, oh my gosh, that is from that other play. Or, you know, the fact that they, they fight with, with guns in this version but the guns are named like sword or rapier, rapier. And I yes. think that's like what a clever way to incorporate the text into a modern day setting. Absolutely. Like I think they did a really great, a really great job of doing that. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, I think I know the answer already, but how do we feel about the cast of this film? 
this cast, my goodness. I mean, you know, I obviously am a, a Leo fan. Of course. How can you not be? Yeah. And, I, and, and he and Claire Danes, their chemistry is just so beautiful. Um, you know, the two of them really light up the screen and there's a reason why it's still so popular and you still feel the feels today. Um, the fact that Paul Rudd is in I this know. film <laughs> is just delightful and that he basically pay- plays Paul Rudd because he's just yeah. this, you know, kind, sweet, you know, man of the year astronaut. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I didn't know who Paul Rudd was when I first saw the film, but I, I know who he is now. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he looks exactly the same too. A hundred percent. Paul exactly. Rudd. Yes. What's your fountain of youth secret? Right? What what skincare routine is he using? Because it's working, man. Let me tell you. Um, and gosh, uh, who else? Oh, John Leguizamo. Mm. Just delicious as Tybalt. I mean, oh. so yes. like so many like little nuances. And I, I just think his work in, as this character is just so, so rich and so full. And he's... Um, He's terrifying, but also beautiful. Like his movements are all very choreographed and very like flamenco style. Yes. Even the way he like fights, like it looks like a dance move. And I I just think that's a beautiful touch. Yes. A hundred percent. And Tybalt is a hard character, at least for me, to kind of really wrap my head around because he's so focused on the Capulets on, mm-hmm. it has to be the Capulets all day, every day. I don't care about anything else. And so mm-hmm. it's hard to like kind of root for Tibble at all. Mm-hmm. But I think he does a really good job of like, yes, he's really passionate about his family, but mm-hmm. he's uh, like, he also has his own personality. Like he is an individual, yes. which is mm-hmm. really well done. Yeah. <laughs> bravo. I, I, yeah. Bravo. Bravo, John. <laughs> I, I agree. Like, it's so easy to play these Shakespeare villains as like mustache twirly <laughs> guys. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you're, you're right. He does add a lot of depth to it. Um, and he's just a great actor. So I think that's Oh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, I mean, there's just so many. I could just talk about everybody. Like, uh, oh, Pete Postlethwaite. Yes. Um, I I always mess up saying his last name, but he is one of my all-time favorite actors. And he, as Friar Lawrence in this, is just so beautiful, so warm, so mm. open. And, you know, he just wants what's best. And he's trying to do what's best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's honestly, it's so, it's interesting to see, you know, this like Friar Priest person in the context of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were already kind of like thrown for a loop of like, oh, he's like a secret botanist and he has a huge cross tattoo. And like, that's a different <laughs> take on these, but he also, you're right. He brings like a warmth to it. And like ugh, that scene where he's at like the post office and he's like, Romeo doesn't know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just breaks your heart. Cause it's like, it's so close. Like they mm-hmm. almost, they almost get there to tell him. Ugh. And isn't that the beauty of this play that. We're told at the beginning that they die, but even throughout right. the entire thing, we're like, maybe the letter will get there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe she'll wake up in time. I don't know. Right. Right. Well, and and the film specifically uses that like knee jerk reaction of like, maybe it'll all be okay 
within the mm-hmm. film because her eyes do flutter open towards the end. And mm-hmm. he is this close two different times to mm-hmm. getting that letter on time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, damn you, post haste. I know. <laughs> but yeah, I think Pete is just, um, he was a treasure. I mean, I also, I don't know if you've ever seen the film in the name of the father, but Mm-mm. he's brilliant in that as well. Okay. Um, so really love him. Um, and, uh, Miriam Margulies, I think that's how you say her last name. Yes. She plays the nurse. Mm-hmm. She's remarkable as well. In she this. is. Again, like another character that just is full of warmth and, and joy and humor too. You know, yeah. the, the, the friar to Romeo is Juliet to nurse. And yeah. Miriam really does a great job of bringing that character to life. She really does. And, and I mean, it's so interesting that like both her... And the friar, they both have like this kind of dream in helping them, in helping this young couple of like, oh, if you get married because you're so in love, there will be no choice but to end this like street war, business war. Mm -hmm. And you'll be like a socialite couple and like they'll merge and it'll just be one big thing. And just heartbreaking by the end of it because you're like, no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. No. <laughs> um, and Miriam is also in another one of another mo- movie that I love. The Age of Innocence. Have you ever seen that? I have not. Um, I'm going to write these down. I'm, yeah, I'm writing these down for you. They're great. <laughs> um, and I think she won an Oscar for it. If I could be wrong about that, but I think she might have. Mm. Um, but she's great in that as well. <laughs> I love that. Well, and it, it's such an all-star cast and yeah. it's it's funny to think especially with like Leo DiCaprio who is mm-hmm. synonymous I think with with impeccable acting at this mm-hmm. point in his career and to think, you know, 1996 this was before Titanic but yeah. after what was eating Gilbert Grape, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I'm if that chrono- chronologically yeah. works. So, like, he was still pretty new to the scene. Mm-hmm. And for him to just come onto this project and be like, I'm going to cry and you're going <laughs> to cry with me. I'm going <laughs> to scream and you're going to be heartbroken. And then I'm going to die at the end. Mm-hmm. He came and he knew what he was doing. And it really. Oh. Ugh. Yeah. He was fantastic. Absolutely. He is fantastic. Ugh. And and we would be remiss if we didn't. uh mentioned Mercutio as well, Harold Her- yes. Herino, that his rendition of Mercutio is also fabulous. I oh mean, my gosh. Just so many great actors and what a great like friend relationship with Romeo too. It's, I, I think that's another great thing about this film is you do get a sense of who the Montagues are and you get a sense of who the Capulets are mm. just by their little, their little groups of dudes they hang out yes. with, you know? <laughs> and like, you know, even down to the costumes, the costumes inform a lot too. Like the Capulets are all very well put together and it's all, um, gosh, I don't know how to, how to put it well put together we'll see yeah that. well it's like suits and like suits and upscale mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. and like boots with some heel on it like yeah <laughs> it's like it's like very sexy machismo <laughs> yes a hundred percent and then you have and, these <laughs> these montague boys with their hawaiian t-shirts <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then isn't Jamie Kennedy one of the Montagues too? I think he is. That sounds right. <laughs> um, you know, and they're just like, they're kind of goofballs, but they're lovable goofballs. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's just, you're right. It's so, it's the small details in this movie. Because, I mean, you said it in the beginning. There are so many layers to this other than just, because obviously, if you've taken high school English, you know Romeo and Juliet. And even if you mm-hmm. haven't taken it yet, you know Romeo and Juliet because you've seen it mm-hmm. different way. Mm-hmm. And it's so much more this film, I think because of the history of this play and then also because of, I don't even know, like just the attention to detail just really, really gives you the idea of like, this was a lot of research that went into it. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, in all aspects of the production too, like from the set dressing, like we said, with the uh, the signs that have other Shakespeare quotes to, you know, the lighting and and, and the, the costume design, um, Kim Barrett, who also did costume designs for The Matrix, um, <laughs> She, her costumes are, are, are beautiful and really inform the characters. Like we said with the Montagues and the Capulets and, and the, the masquerade ball having Juliet be an angel. Yeah. Romeo is a knight and, you know, Paris is an astronaut. Yeah. (laughs) John Leguizamo is the devil. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I mean, you're right that the, the amount of research that went into this production is is tenfold and you know that's what i think makes it such a delicious chunk of film absolutely well and i mean now baz lerman has this extraordinary reputation of like rich beautifully done like amazing production value uh Mm -hmm. films in his career and it's like Mm -hmm. more power to you man give Mm -hmm. me a call sometime like absolutely (laughs) amazing and and this is no different. I mean, this it's well thought out. I mean, the research is there. Like, mm-hmm. there's really nothing bad I can say about this film. Mm-hmm. And like, for me, granted, I'm, I'm a Shakespeare nerd, but for me, the language doesn't even take me out of it. If anything, it's like, it hooks me in just like a little bit more of like, pay attention, I'm going to say something. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think in the mouths of these actors too, they, they put a very contemporary sound on it too. Mm, yes. So it doesn't sound like, yay, verily, we do go along, you know, it, it sounds, it sounds like a teenager falling in love. It, oh, it yeah. sounds like, you know, like the news reporter, it sounds like a news reporter. Um, so I think that's great. Absolutely. Let me ask you uh, a strange question, if you will. Give it to me. Have you, in your own personal life, gone out with someone who everyone was like, absolutely not? Like, if you do that, his friends and our friends are are going to war. It's not going to be good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think I've ever done it and been aware of the fact while it was happening. Ah. <laughs> there there was there was one ex that afterwards everyone was like, yeah, we didn't like him. Ah. <laughs> oh no, now if my exes are listening to this, they're wondering, is it me? Right. 
And they'll never know. You'll never know. (laughs) I know I haven't dated a mortal enemy. Oh, well, that's good. (laughs) I mean, it is is interesting because, I mean, at this point, it's, you know, tale as old as time, it feels like, you Mm -hmm. know, done a hundred different ways. Mm-hmm. And I mean, on top of it, you also have to consider, and it was very apparent this time watching it of like, they meet a night goes by and then they get married and they're like, this oh, yeah. will solve all of our problems. <laughs> I mean, it's wild. Like when I was younger, I definitely, you know, um, associated myself most with like, you know, Juliet and Romeo. And I'm like, they're in love. They're doing the right thing. And now that I'm a little older, I'm like, you idiots. What are you doing? (laughs) Yes. A hundred percent. Cause I don't know if they actually, they don't, I think they say the name or the ages in this movie per se, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's like, how old are you? Ma'am? Mm-hmm. Miss. Mm-hmm. Miss? 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 I think, I think you need to tell somebody what's going on yeah. now, now-ish rather than, uh, than later-ish. Maybe wait 24 hours before you take maybe. the poison. Maybe. <laughs> and, you know, maybe wait 48 hours before you get married, you know, other yeah. than knowing each other's names. What do you know about each other? <laughs> no. You don't even know each other's favorite color. Right. How can you get married? <laughs> but I do, I do think, you know, young people feel emotions so deeply. And I Absolutely. remember being 14 and 15 and being so wildly in love with my boyfriend and no one could tell me otherwise. And I, I think that's something that, you know, we as adults and as we, you know, get older and if I have my own children, like I need to remember that, that that love is very real to them. Yeah. And stakes are very high. And although it may seem, you know, trivial or small to us with a little bit of age and a little bit of years on us, we have to remember that that love is very real and very Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it is so true of like remembering that time in your life, like when you're in high school reading this Mm -hmm. play and it's like, (laughs) but I'm so in love with my boyfriend. Like we're spending the rest of our lives together. And it's like, (laughs) You're 14. Okay. We'll see. We'll see about that. Right. We'll see about that. And, you know, there are people who who end up doing that, you know, high school mm-hmm. sweetheart scenario. Sure. I don't know any personally, but that's just between <laughs> us as friends. <laughs> I know a few and they are very happy. So it, it, well, it is good. possible. <laughs> so... That's wonderful. I'm so glad that it worked out for them. <laughs> but for these two, I'm like, maybe wait like a week and right, then yeah. and see how it goes. Sneak it mm-hmm. around, you know, try not to die. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a play out there that is about Juliet and Desdemona about if they had survived, I think. And it's oh. called Good, uh, Good Night, Desdemona, Good Morning, Juliet. Oh, um, And it's a comedy and... Uh, it, it does, it, it plays out like if they had <laughs> dated longer than three days and that they wouldn't get along. Uh, I mean, that's, that's my prediction is that like, I mean, who knows? Maybe they were soulmates. We'll never know. Cause it was yeah. two days, three days yeah. over the Just star-crossed lovers. Star-crossed lovers. <laughs> Have you ever seen, it's so old. 
Have you ever seen, it's an old YouTube series of, um, I think it's called My Sassy Gay Friend. Yes. Oh, are you kidding me? What, what, what are you doing? <laughs> so we're just going to kill ourselves. Kill ourselves. Oh, those were so funny. I, that, that, you just unlocked a memory that was way, way back there. Um, but yeah, th- th- those were genius because it is what we're all thinking while we're watching yeah. these plays. What are you doing? Right. Like you're watching the horror movie and it's like, don't go in the basement. Right. (laughs) And I feel like we do that a a couple times in this film. And Mm -hmm. the ending for me, I think, is always when she starts waking up and he's just not seeing her. I'm like, just look, just look look a little to your left. Like a little bit. Just like, just like unfocus for a second and like look back at her. Mm-hmm. No, not the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I I know that th- that ending, um, you know, ruffled some feathers with some people, and I think that ending is beautiful because in in the play, he dies, she wakes up and has a conversation with the friar, and then she sees him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, um, but I, I think this film, you know, gave permission to people to have that exchange that maybe they do see each other before they die or they don't. And I think that's open for interpretation, but it does, um, it is a great device in that film because you just see the emotions play across Claire Dane's face as she just, as she realizes what Mm. has happened. And then the moment when he's dead and she's there alone in this church with no other options. And she just lets out this kind of primal cry it's not it's not beautiful it's not like for the camera it's just honest and I I remember seeing that being like oh that's yeah absolutely and Mm -hmm. both of them do such such an amazing job of like displaying hidden or like inner pain on the outside like through Mm -hmm. their eyes like between like that guttural scream that she has and Mm -hmm. um oh there's I think it's right after Romeo kills Tybalt and he just has like tears rolling down his cheeks because he's realizing I just killed somebody and like Mm -hmm. the ramifications of that on its own. Not to mention the fact that I just married his cousin and she (laughs) is going to freak out if I tell her about this and what is going to happen. But you see it all there. And between the two of them, I mean, my God. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I think that's, the, one of the beautiful things about film is you can watch a whole a whole scene play across someone's face without any dialogue. Absolutely. Um, and you really just get a, a, a peek into those uh, soul windows through the eyes, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and they're just, I mean, everybody in this film, there's some just fantastic close-ups of everybody. Yeah. Um, and you get to see the emotion play out. Absolutely. I know. Well, and I mean, you had brought up Mercutio, which I think is important to bring up, especially in terms of like the way your eyes are also saying things to us Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because he has so many monologues throughout Mm -hmm. this whole thing, which in, in the the regular stage version as well, so many monologues, (laughs) he Mm -hmm. just loves to talk. 
And sometimes I know there were a couple times like way back in the day before I really knew anything about Romeo and Juliet where I was like, what is, I don't, why is he still talking? I don't understand. <laughs> and now when you like really sit back and like lean into it, mm-hmm. like not only is he saying something, but he is looking directly into Romeo's soul mm-hmm. to be like, listen here, son. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I also think, you know, Mercutio, he's older yeah. than Romeo. And so, you know, it's interesting having that older, fun-loving guy that just wants to do the drugs, go to the parties, <laughs> you know, get in the fights um, with this young kid. And what does that mean? And why does he want to hang out with this young kid? And why isn't he hanging out with his peers? Um, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> But I mean, it's true. There's, you know, there's a camaraderie with all of these guys and it's, it's clear that they're all connected. Of course, you know, family, Mm -hmm. gang, I question mark, like, (laughs) I don't know how you enter or you join this gang, but like you get a a wide open Hawaiian shirt when you (laughs) are allowed admittance. Um, But yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting Mercutio and Tybalt of like they're almost foils of each other like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. one like you said one is buttoned up and one has like a fully open shirt at all times Mm -hmm. one is fun loving and one is like very focused on a goal and like I think that's one of the reasons why both of them dying makes sense oh yeah 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 just like something I was thinking about today of like wow like they I feel like they could be friends Cause they're mm-hmm. like real similar, but yeah. last names and all that just didn't work out. In another world. In, in another, another world. A hundred percent. But you're right. They are like two sides of a coin. Yeah. You know, that's Shakespeare, man. He, kn- he oh, knew what he was doing. I know. Right. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Have you, and this is just like, Shakespeare speculation. Have you heard this whole, you know, it wasn't Shakespeare, it was somebody else, like conspiracy theory? Oh, sure. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I've, I've read a lot about it, about like who it could be. Could it be mm-hmm. a nobleman? Could it, I mean, blah, blah, blah. And to be honest, uh, this it may not be a popular opinion, but I don't, I don't care. Yes. Uh, we have these beautiful plays. We have these beautiful pieces of work. We're never going to know if William Shakespeare wrote them all or if someone no. else wrote them. And it's fun to speculate and it's fun to read the books and read, hear about other people's ideas. And a lot of people are really, really passionate about it and passionate in their belief. And I think that's great. Um, but I myself am just grateful that we have the work and that we just get to hear these plays and see these plays and live in a time that they're still performed and produced. Absolutely. Absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. I could not agree more. I don't care who wrote them. <laughs> I think Shakespeare is a much better name than like anybody else could come up with. Mm-hmm. So like, that's fine with me. I'll give him total credit, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm just so happy that they exist at all. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yeah, I just, I love all of them so much. Do you have a favorite Shakespeare play? I should ask that too. Gosh, you know, for the longest time, it it, it 
it was Romeo and Juliet. And I mm-hmm. think it still might be um, just because it has, you know, such a special place in my heart. Um, you know, it was one of the first Shakespeare plays I ever performed in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I think it's like a, a nearly perfect story too. That's mm-hmm. the reason why it's been tossed and tumbled in so many different iterations. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but other Shakespeare plays that I love, I really love the language in Richard II. Mm. Um, it's mm-hmm. not the most exciting play, but it's, <laughs> it's definitely beautiful. Um, and then uh, I really love the um, Henry four part one and two and Henry five. Wow. Those, those three plays put together are, are really beautiful. And I, I saw a great, um, production of them at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival that were, they were just really, really fantastic. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it's not the answer I think that most people go for, or it's mm-hmm. not the Henry's for most people. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so what else can we say about this film? I feel like we've covered a lot of ground and not a mm-hmm. lot of time. <laughs> but I, well, we haven't talked about the music. The music yes. in this film is... Oh, thank you. Yes, let's talk about the music. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wish I would have done better research on on who sang what and, and what songs, but the, um, the song when Romeo and Juliet are meeting and it's like kind of like their... Yeah. Um, it's the Kissing You song. It's mm-hmm. so beautiful and it's repeated throughout the film and it's kind of like the the um Zeffirelli you know that one yeah uh-huh. so it's like they they have their theme in the Baz Luhrmann version and uh I think it's it's really beautiful but one song that I love so much is the Radiohead exit oh. music for a film yes um that I guess the I don't know if this is true but this is what I read somewhere that Baz sent them sent Radiohead like the last 10 minutes of the film and said, can you write something for Mm -hmm. the credits? Mm -hmm. And they wrote that song and it is so beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) And like, I mean, how awesome is that? That, I mean, Baz Luhrmann, I don't know what his status of notoriety was by then, but Mm -hmm. to send something to a band like Radiohead who has had notoriety for a really long time and have them be like, yeah, that's cool. Here's a song like just dumped on your lap. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be so wild just in mm-hmm. general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it also speaks to like, you know, contemporizing this play, like let's put some Radiohead music in it. Right. Great. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Um, so I do think the music is really fantastic throughout the entire movie. So, Absolutely. So well, and I, I love the scene when Romeo is in the church for the first time and they're singing mm-hmm. When Doves Cry by Prince. Yes. Oh, oh gosh. I was thinking so about that. Good. I was thinking about that little kid who sings in the choir, mm-hmm. both when they get married and then. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I hope he's doing okay. I <laughs> I hope he's still singing out there. He's doing a great job. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Oh, wow. I can't believe I didn't even think to mention Prince. <laughs> uh, Prince. I know. And like, and it just, it just fits for some mm-hmm. reason. Like, 
ah, yes, let's have a church choir sing Prince. And it's like, yes, that makes Mm -hmm. sense. That makes sense. Perfect. (laughs) That's what I should get married to. Right. (laughs) A choral version of When Doves Cry. (laughs) Done. It's decided. (laughs) Now that's the wedding I want to go to. Great. <laughs> I mean, apps. I one of the things that I had read was that um, the album in Australia um, went like double or triple platinum. Yeah, which is which like is great. Yeah, it's so great, and it's but it's also crazy that like a movie soundtrack is like mm-hmm. so well put together that it goes double platinum mm-hmm. in a country. Like. Mm-hmm doing something right there. I can tell you that. <laughs> totally. And I also think that that exit move, exit, uh, exit music for a film was yeah. not in the original soundtrack. I think that's true. Um, Which even without that still went double platinum. Like <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. It's pretty good. Good Absolutely. job guys. Yeah. Right. Like well done all around to that <laughs> cast and crew. Like, it, I don't know if it was lightning striking or what, but mm-hmm. right place, right time, all around for me. A plus. <laughs> A plus. I mean, um, I yes. didn't get to ask you, what's your favorite Shakespeare play? Oh, um, well, it's <laughs> it's probably always going to be, I love a lot of them, but it's probably always going to be Twelfth Night for me. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, and between... There, I think it's HBO did as you like it, um, mm-hmm. and then and then of course the iconic 2000s hit "She's the Man" really just does it for me. Yes, yes. <laughs> I just recently watched that movie too, did you? and oh. it's a fantastic adaptation. It, like, really, it really is, really is. <laughs> and Amanda Bynes is so funny and charming in it. I know. <laughs> Right, that's Amanda Bynes. Yes, yes, and Channing yeah. Tatum is the um, that's as right. Duke Orsino. That's so right. good. Oh, and Ten Things I Hate About You too is another oh, great fabulous. adaptation. Fabulous, Heath Ledger in that movie, outstanding. What a dreamboat! What a dreamboat! Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, how even just those couple movies, like. If anybody says, oh, I don't like Shakespeare, it's like, well, then you can't like any of those movies in my mind mm-hmm. because they go mm-hmm. hand in hand as yeah, wonderful or if, adaptations. Or if they don't like Shakespeare, be like, watch this. This is actually Shakespeare. Right. Clueless? <laughs> Clueless? No, that's mm-hmm. Jane Austen. That's, that's Jane Austen. <laughs> but still, in the Listen, same vein. In the same vein. <laughs> I had a mini heart attack there. I was like, what is Clueless? (laughs) I'm so sorry. That just like popped in my head. (laughs) Another Paul Rudd uh, classic. Another Paul Rudd classic. I mean, he's definitely doing something really Mm -hmm. great. He's popping We're up just all talking these. about all the dream boats. A hundred. One of the notes that I wrote down my official research notebook was I could watch Leo kiss all day long, <laughs> all day long. It doesn't matter who mm-hmm. I could just watch that boy kiss. Mm-hmm. Even now I could watch that man kiss. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, that's another thing about 
this film too is the intimacy is never cringy. Yeah. Like, the 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 kissing and the love scene and like even the intimacy of the pool scene it's all beautifully shot and it's all um it's romantic and sexy but it's never skeevy yes which i think it can cross the line very easily because we are voyeurs we are watching very yeah. closely right um and so I, that's another thing that i think this film just absolutely does well, a great I'm- job of yeah, well, I totally agree. And are you still there? I'm here. Yeah. Okay, thought I lost you there for a second. You froze up <laughs> on me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think you're right. There's there's like a, I, I don't even know if I'd say sexy. I think it's just more sensual. Like mm-hmm. there's, intimacy is a perfect word for it because it doesn't get gross, like porno kissing. It's very much just like, teenagers in love and like mm-hmm. just being almost innocent about it because even mm-hmm. in the love scene it feels innocent and fun and yeah and playful yeah. And under the covers and <laughs> oh, I know that sh- that scene with when he's like got the the sheet over oh. him and I, I mean what a beautiful way to shoot intimacy too because yeah. you know we've we've all been in that position you know making tense or whatever, but it's, it's like you get that, that window into love. And I, I think it's just great. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's, it's such a clever way to kind of show how young they are mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. how innocent it all seems like behind closed doors, even though mm-hmm. like what they're doing is like a huge deal to everybody mm-hmm. else around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So and good. it's also like, from the mouths of babes too like yeah this, this feud this years-long feud or who even knows maybe decades it could all be ended with love yeah <laughs> <laughs> and just reaching a hand across the aisle right you know and um you know i think we as humans forget that sometimes we get so you know s- stuck in our our opinions and you know it's hard to um reconcile you know oh it's yeah hard to forgive it's hard to ask for forgiveness absolutely and um you know you have two kids who are supposed to be mortal enemies but they love each other and yeah look how easy it could be yeah <laughs> well and even to that point it's like look how easy it could be they know each other's names and they know that they're supposed to not like each other they're supposed mm-hmm. to have hate for each other and their immediate response is well I mean, I guess I could throw out my last name for you. It's like, that's what you wanted. Like, cool yeah. with me. And like, what a testament to like, it could be that simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, oftentimes the the answer is right there in front of us and we're, we're just not looking for it. Right. Ugh. But also they're two idiots. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just call them out, why don't you? <laughs> I mean, classic, timeless, stupid star-crossed lovers. Yeah, we've yeah. all been there. <laughs> we've all done stupid things for love. Absolutely. At least I know I have. <laughs> Girl, you are not alone. We have all been there. Raise your hand. <laughs> I mean, it feels like we've come to a pretty 
natural stopping point in our conversation. And first and foremost, I cannot thank you enough for picking this film. I don't get to talk about Shakespeare very often. (laughs) So this was such a delight, first and foremost. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Of course, you're welcome back anytime. It doesn't have to be Shakespeare. Anything you want to talk about, I'm here for. Um, And so, you know, where can people find you? How do we get updated on what you're doing? Are you doing anything currently? You know, what are all those, all the answers to those questions? You can always follow me uh, on Instagram at Anne Jamie, A-N-N-J-A-M-I-E. And that's where I post most of my updates. And um, that's where you can find me. If you want to friend me and ask me questions, please do. Oh, very nice. Very nice. And so wonderful to have you on. Like I said, you're welcome back anytime. Um, We can chat for a minute after this, but super. thank you so much again for coming on. (laughs) Thank you. This was so much fun. It was. (laughs) You don't get to nerd out on Shakespeare very much. And it's it's really nice. Another huge thank you to Jamie Ann Romero for coming on the show and talking about one of her favorites, Romeo plus Juliet or Romeo and Juliet, however you want to say it. But we all know we mean the 1996 Baz Luhrmann iconic Shakespeare adaptation. Now, of course, Jamie is out there doing things and you can definitely follow her on Instagram. She was such a delight to talk to. So sweet and so funny. And Honestly, she said it best. You don't get a lot of chances to nerd out about Shakespeare. So I was so excited to get together with her and I can't wait for us to do it again. Now, since you are going to follow Jamie on Instagram, um, while you're there, make sure that you also follow us on Instagram at scopophilia underscore podcast. And we do also have a TikTok account at Scopophilia, the podcast. Since you're already on the internet, you might as well rate, review, and subscribe to the show because it helps us out a lot. And I love hearing from you guys, honestly. It's so much fun to see what you guys are thinking about the show and everything in between. And, you know, since you're out and about and doing things, um, you can also purchase our merch. I know there's so many options of things that you can do, but we do have a link in our bio on our Instagram for our merchandise. We have hats, we have shirts, and we have tote bags. Uh, You can also find them and so much more on ncpodcasts.com slash scopophilia. And with the holidays right around the corner, it's the perfect gift for your fellow scopophiliac friend, or it's a great thing to put on your list for others to give to you if your, you know, friends don't know who, you know, who or what the show is, you know, make sure that you tell them your friends, your family, your family of friends, your friends of family, and everybody in between, because we love having this conversation with more and more people. Now, I've thrown a lot of options at you. It is a lot to take in, so don't worry. You can always re-listen to this episode or any of our episodes from seasons one, two, and our summer sessions, where I basically say the same thing at the end of every show. As always, I'm your host, Becky Teller, leading the millennial movie movement here on Scopophilia. And I'll see you all next Friday. Bye!